This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore, and we welcome historian Peter Feynman to the program. How are you doing, Peter? Fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me back to the show. Well, I think it's going to be a very uh, interesting discussion of the New York path through history and maybe some other things. Peter Feynman's well-known in the uh, historical community in New York State. He's founder and president of the Institute of History, Archaeology, and education. He does enrichment programs for schools, uh, programs uh, to train teachers, and public programs involving historic uh, sites uh, in the state. And um, Peter frequently writes uh, blog posts for the New York History blog, and you had uh, one recently titled New York Path Through History, A Dead End, uh, with a question mark. Has this uh, kind of grand uh, state program uh, come to an end? Officially and legally, no, it still exists. But in terms of what it's actually doing, it never really got started. And that's the unfortunate nature of the program. Sometimes what I write is it exists in the Manhattan-Albany bubble as a great success, but out in the grassroots, it's fairly meaningless. So um, contrasting what happens in the political arena versus what happens at the ground level where people really have historic sites and museums and are interested in getting more tourists to their sites. Mm. Could, uh, maybe uh, you're, in light of your view on what's happened, maybe you're not one to ask this question, but what was, what was this or what is this? I mean, what is the idea of the New York path through history? It's a nice phrase, but uh, let's assume, and I really don't know a great deal about what that means. Well, the phrase itself is actually one of the best parts of the program. It is a great phrase. It is a great logo. And that part is really good. So in that sense, it provides a good brand name for the history community in New York State. But then you have to back it up with something. It's not just to be a logo. Now, originally, it sort of originated, let's put it this way, when Governor Cuomo was being driven back and forth from his home in Westchester County to Albany, driving along the interstate, the New York State Thruway. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he has this epiphany about signs. We need historic signs, rather signs, reflecting the historic sites in New York more than we have at present. So when people drive the interstate system in New York, they become aware of these historic sites that are right near the highway. And that eventually led to the path through history concept that there would be these signs, there would eventually be a website, and there would be an app, or perhaps more than one, with all these historic sites. Hmm. The problem was there was never anything set aside to develop actual paths. It's based on the idea that if you have a website, if you have an app, if you have signs, People will see these, people will be aware of them, and then create their own paths, their own itineraries, their own vacation schedules, as presumably tour operators will also be able to do so. So it never really went beyond the point of having this information in these three 
technologies, if you will, the sign, the website, and mm -hmm. the app. Now, for the history community, they were looking for something different. They were thinking that this program would help them develop these paths or these itineraries or these trails or these tours and not just be about the signs, the website, and the apps. And it hasn't worked out that way at all. So that's why, effectively, it, it really hasn't made much of a difference in that regard. Now, the no, one other part that relates to this is a lot more money was put into marketing New York tourism, which included history, but included lots of other things like recreation, skiing, fishing, wineries, agriculture, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that increased expenditure wasn't specifically for the historic sites in New York, but it benefited from that the same way all the other mm -hmm. tourist attractions did. Did the historic sites get some of that money? Well, initially at the kickoff on August 28, 2012, Governor Cuomo promised $1 million to be split over the 10 regions that the Path Through History Project divided New York State into. And it's somewhat similar, but not exactly to the regions I Love New York has, and it's, it's closer to the regions of the Regional Economic Development Council. What struck me about this $1 million is that's the exact amount Governor Pataki had promised about 10 years earlier when he had his program to promote New York trails. So here we have two governors roughly a decade apart, both looking to promote history, history tourism in New York, offering the same amount of money. Hmm. The million dollars was spent, I would say, uh, meaning $100,000 for each of the 10 regions, which you can see doesn't really go that far for the different hmm. historic sites. And a lot of it was spent on marketing, sort of creating perhaps something for a PBS network or something of that sort. So mm -hmm. not so much into development, but more into marketing. Since that time, there's been no money specifically set aside for Path Through History itself. But what historic organizations can do is they can apply for funding through the Regional Economic Development Councils. And the latest round of awards will be announced in December. Now, I did a series for New York History analyzing the awards granted in 2014, looking at the different categories and types of things that received funds. And history really didn't do very well in those awards. The most awards for the history areas was those granted through the New York State Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation, which is similar to even before the path began. And this would be for things like repair work or things for an individual site, mm -hmm. not something in collaboration or cooperation which you need to put together a tourist program, which mm -hmm. involves multiple sites. Mm -hmm. so Getting back no to the, uh, the original idea of the path through history, path and the, right I think now. you're still, Peter. I think you're still talking. I'm talking now. Okay. Um, okay, I getting, can hear you. Getting back to the original. Uh, point you were making about the New York State path through history, uh, putting up signs on the thruway, if, if nowhere else, uh, I 
have been uh, out to see some of uh, my colleagues in the history uh, community up here in the Mohawk Valley, and they're thankful for the signs. At least they figure well, at the least that's they, they got something on it. I'm not criticizing the signs for being there, but that shouldn't be the end all and be all of it. Yes, there's definitely an advantage to alerting people who are driving by that historic places exist and that they're nearby and you may be driving right by them. So I have no objection to the signs, but that's just one step in a, or should be one step in a larger program, in a larger process. Also in your blog, you report yes, that the, the I'm sorry, I'm talking again, Peter, all right? You report in your, yes, I'm sorry, you report in your blog that the New York State historian who was a member of the task force resigned. Was that, be, I mean, did he get to a retirement age or, or what was the story there? I don't know. I wish I did. I've met with him and talked with him and he wouldn't disclose anything to me. Uh, from my perspective, it seems fairly sudden, but it may not have been. That is, he was involved in organizing the New York State History Association annual conference this summer in Niagara Falls, and then a couple weeks later, he was gone. So I thought it was fairly sudden, but it may have been something he had planned all along. He has not shared any confidence with me on that subject. Mm. Does the task force still meet? Does it have uh, meetings, the, the task force set up for the New York State Path Through History? Well, the task force, as it turns out, was more for show than for substance. I did do a post on that, and there are a variety of people who were on it, including the state historian, and it was an impressive group of people. But it met at most a couple of times. It had no real authority or decision-making power in the PATH project. Their biggest involvement came on the August 28, 2012 kickoff, where two of the members spoke to the people assembled in Albany. And then when there were concurrent breakout sessions for each of the ten regions, they each chaired a region not necessarily one they lived in or worked in, but they just chaired one of the regions. Other than that, they really haven't done anything. Uh, and it's been very disappointing because it gave the impression at first that history would be an important part of the project. And you had this great task force of very prominent people. And it just didn't work out that way at all. Mm. I, also, in your uh, more recent blog, uh, in the New York History blog, you quote, and I don't know if you have it in front of you, but you quote the uh, brochure which was passed out or handed out in uh, 2012 when the program uh, began, which uh, you, you say it's hard to read without busting a gut laugh because it talks about local participation as the key to the success of Path Through History. Yeah, that was a funny line, all right, although no one knew it at the time. If you're going to really develop a program, you have to work with the people on the ground. They know their sites, they know what they can do, and if they're excluded for the process or there is no process, then you have nothing left, which is essentially what we have now. So, for example, when I had my Mohawk Valley teacher hostel, a history hostel, we worked very closely with the local sites 
and we put together a week program starting in Schenectady and going out west to Herkimer. And that was a great chance for me to meet a lot of the people in the historic organizations there. Recently at the American Revolution Conference at Fort Plain, which I attended, and I think they intend that to be an annual event, they mentioned there's this group now, Exit 29, I think they call themselves, for a variety of sites there, which are generally too small to be on the PATH website. But they're trying to cooperate and collaborate and work together to bring people to Exit 29. And this local process of people participating is just not happening at all. There, there's no real staff in I Love New York or anywhere else to have these meetings throughout the state with the local history community, and they just don't really occur. Hmm. It almost here's an idea. I don't know if this is true or, or not. Uh, it almost seems to me that the approach of New York State here is they just wanted to be the um, to point the direction for the history, much as you might point the way to Darien Lake or Great Escape, the the amusement parks, or a couple of them here in upstate. But in the history, you, you, we still need to build those attractions to some extent. Well, that's exactly right. As I think tried to mention earlier, somehow there was this idea that if you have something on a web or in an application, I mean in an app or a sign, that that's enough and that people sitting at home can navigate their way through the website or the app and devise a tour. So let's say you wanted to do a tour of the Mohawk Valley. Think of how many sites there are in the Mohawk Valley you might visit. How do you go about selecting them? And are all of them open seven days a week, nine to five? So it becomes a bit of a challenge in putting all these pieces together. And the idea that an individual family preparing a summer vacation is going to go through that, to me, is a little bit far-fetched. If you put together any tour there, then you know how much work's involved in identifying the sites, determining when you can be there, and what you'll do while you're there, and working it out logistically. This is not an easy task. It does require time. It does require effort. And that's the part that's missing. The idea that the family would do that, I think, or an individual, I think, was misguided. Mm. It, also, talking to some of uh, my friends who've been around the uh, history game for a long time, and may, maybe you'd be in that uh, group as well, but they say, well, in New York State, you know, the state government, in, in terms of uh, historic preservation, is often very fickle. You know, so they come and they go. I mean, back when uh, the big spender, Nelson Rockefeller, was in office, there was a lot uh, going on. People went to work for the state museum and uh, state historic sites and so forth. But then uh, other things happen. I mean, the state has other problems. And uh, history is always something that, uh, that can be uh, cut down without raising too many hackles. Well, here's the problem with that approach. First, the idea behind the path through history, in part, and I didn't mention this earlier, was that people who would visit these sites now with this increased tourism would be staying in hotels and going to restaurants, and that that would increase revenue, including tax revenue, 
sales tax revenue, and lodging tax as well. So that there is an economic benefit to increasing tourism. And in general, that's a certainly valid point. But just putting something on a web website doesn't exactly do that. So there was this economic destination concept in part with the PATH project. But a problem for the history community is that not every site is going to be a destination point. There are just too many places like that, and that's not really the purpose. And this is another issue. It's not for the PATH. But that's not really the purpose of most historic sites, especially the local historical society, the municipal society, not the Saratoga battlefield or mm -hmm. Riskany battlefield, these national park service or state sites, but the local historical society where their first mission, the first part of their mission is to the local community, like the library or the school. Mm -hmm. And no one would say to a library, uh, you have to make a profit, otherwise you're out. So for me, it doesn't make any sense to go to a state, excuse me, a municipal historical society, which is chartered by the same Department of Education in Albany that the library and schools are chartered by, and say, well, somehow you have to become an economic engine in your community, otherwise you have no purpose. So that's a separate issue, but it's, to me it's an important one because it overlooks a large part of the civic role of the historical society mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. are, are you optimistic or pessimistic about, uh, oh, I don't know, the ship of state being righted uh, in terms of a path through history or, uh, or going forward in the Cuomo administration? Well, it depends on what time you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I prefer to be optimistic. But to be optimistic requires that people really look and see what's going on and not just stay in the Albany-Manhattan bubble, which is somewhat detached from the grassroots. Now, the next post I'm going to write, coincidentally, and I started it yesterday, I have to work on it again today, is going to be on the Tourism Advisory Council, which not many people know about. But it does exist, and it does get reports from I Love New York on what's going on with the Path Through History Project. I attended the last meeting at the end of September, and I will be writing about that. So let's see what kind of reaction we get. Mm. Also, I just attended a meeting in Seneca Falls, which will be another post after that which was involved with the centennial, the women's centennial suffrage movement for the right to vote in 1917 in New York and then with the 19th Amendment nationwide. So the purpose of this conference was to gear up for how to commemorate those anniversaries. What should we be doing between, 19, between 2017 and 2020 in recognition? And there was a presentation by I Love New York at that conference, which ended up being disastrous. I've never really seen anything like that. Mm. So it was fascinating for me as a reporter to have witnessed it, and I will be writing about that. But I think that has the potential 
for making people come to face to face with what's really going on in the Path Through History project. Mm. Because there are people who really want to do something, who want the Path Through History to work. They have events, anniversaries, programs that they would like New York State to promote, that they would like assistance from New York State to develop. Mm-hmm. Now, we had the same opportunities with the War of 1812 Bicentennial and the Civil War, sesquicentennial, it didn't quite work out. But maybe with the centennial of these women's suffrage events, uh, the situation might be different. They may be more effective in lobbying Albany. This all remains to be seen. We're very early in that process, and I have no, there's no guarantee of success on that. But it will be an interesting story to follow in the coming months to see if they're able to do it. There was another uh, post in the history blog uh, from the, a woman, I believe she's uh, the historian or head of a, a historical society in Orange County, uh, Johanna Yawn. Uh, yes. talking about the difficulties that uh, the historical societies are having uh, just staying in operation, you know, maybe maintaining their historic uh, sites and so forth. Well, yes, that's a very good point. Uh, Johanna, who I know, uh, is one of the few full-time county historians in the state. New York State requires every municipality, meaning the county, the city, the town, and the village to have an historian. There's no compliance and there's no penalty for lack of compliance. It's also very unclear what they should do. Now she's in a very unusual position in that she is full-time as an historian. In some cases there are people who are full-time government employees, but they have other responsibilities as well, such as archives. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She just has the history as her responsibility. And in fact, I first met her during some teacher hostels I was doing when she was a docent at George Washington's headquarters in Newburgh. So since then, she's sort of risen up through the ranks. So she's very unusual. Not only is she full-time, but she's also very young. She just had her first child. So she's different in many ways from a lot of the other historians. She's also tech-savvy and has developed these. what you saw in the New York Post. She also sends out as e-newsletters, e-blasts, to the history community in Orange County, which I get even though I'm not a resident of Orange County. So she's really taking a leadership role in trying to reinvigorate the history community in the county. And she has hit upon a very serious issue in that a lot of these historical societies are small nonprofits in local communities with a aging board and volunteer docents where schools no longer do the local history they used to do, and they're really hurting. And this is a big issue statewide. It's not just in Orange County. She's absolutely right to raise the issue. And one of the problems you have right here is that the history community does not advocate or lobby in Albany the way the other groups 
organized or chartered by the state education department too. So we're all familiar with schools and libraries going to Albany and asking for money or other things, but you never hear about the history community doing that. And that's something that needs to be changed, otherwise these problems will just continue and become even worse and worse. Would that not be difficult, getting the historical societies or organizations to lobby together? As the old saying goes, it's sort of like herding kittens. Yes, again, you're exactly right. Uh, one of the uh, changes which occurred recently, which is a good one, is there is a statewide organization called the Museum Association of New York. And the new director or president of that organization is a former legislative assistant to a state legislature. So he comes to this position with political background and experience, as well as being a history student himself. And I believe he was a student at one time of John Warren, who was the editor of New York History Blog. So he has the history interest, and he has the political connections. And there are some items on the table that he is going to help try to push as a lobbyist, so to speak. So he will advocate. He has certain restrictions right now since he was an aide. He is prohibited by regulations from engaging in certain lobbying for a certain amount of time. I don't know if that time has passed, but I expect him to take a more active role in trying to promote the interests of the history community in Albany. The challenge in advocacy, though, is you have to have something specific you're advocating for. If you go to Albany and you say, well, history is important for the community, that gets you nowhere. You need to have specific legislation or specific amounts of money or actions you want the legislators to take. So unless you agree on that, you're not getting anywhere. So it's important then for us as a history community to do that. I think you will start to see that happen with this women's centennial for the suffrage movement because similar to some other commissions, a unfunded or non-funded commission was created in honor of this, and that's not going to go over too well. The uh, people who are in Seneca Falls are going to want money mm -hmm. to support the upcoming centennial from 2017 to 2020. So they will begin to develop, I imagine and I anticipate, a specific campaign or advocacy item. But for the rest of the history community, it's going to be a little difficult because they have to figure out how to make a case for themselves. The difference is where schools and libraries are government-run organizations with government employees, the history sites historical societies, even though they're chartered by the same organization, tend to be private. And that creates a different dynamic. It's one thing to say, as the local library, you need something, or as a local school, you need something. But for the historical society, as a private organization, asking for taxpayer money, then it becomes a little different. So some of this needs to be worked out in order for a true a program to be created so people like uh, like with the Museum Association of New York, they go, here is our agenda. We'd like you to come to Albany on this date, the same way other organizations advocate. 
and mm-hmm. go to your local state senator and state representative and say, I want this bill passed with this amount of money to accomplish this, and it will help in your community this way. So well, Peter, I'm sorry, we're, really we're just out of time. Uh, Peter Feynman is founder and president of the Institute of History, Archaeology, and uh, Education, uh, does all kinds of enrichment uh, programs, teacher hostels, and so forth around the state, writes frequently about uh, history and maybe you could say the politics of history uh, for the New York History blog. Peter, thank you very much. You have a good day. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate this opportunity.